What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Long Game Podcast hosted by Thomas Kopelman and Trayton DeVore. In each episode, you'll hear us break down financial topics that are relevant to the lives of millennials and other young professionals. Our goal is to help bring credible financial information to you in short, bite-sized episodes. Thomas Kopelman and Trayton DeVore are the co-founders and financial planners at All Street Wealth. All opinions expressed by Thomas and Trayton are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of All Street Wealth. This podcast is for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It should not be considered advice. Please consult with your financial advisor, tax, legal, and any other advisors you have before making any decisions regarding your financial plan. All right. What's up? And welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Long Game Podcast. Today, we are joined by Tori Hoppy. Thankfully, I asked her beforehand because I almost just butchered her name. But Tori is right now the head of partnerships at Holista Plan, and we are really excited to have her. So, Tori, let's just start out with a quick little introduction to who you are, how you ended up, where you're at, um, and then we'll get going. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited. I typically am on your end of things and being the host. So it's always fun to be on the other side of things. Uh, But I am Tori Hoppy. I know my last name always throws people off. So I wouldn't have been offended if you got it wrong. (laughs) Uh, Head of partnerships over at Holista Plan. I have been in the finance space since I graduated college. I started work at um, one of the larger broker dealers in the space and quickly realized wasn't the spot for me when they handed me a paper file of someone's account and asked me to fax it. And I honestly like thought it was a joke. I didn't know that people still faxed things, especially in this finance space. I thought we had evolved a little farther than that. Um, so I kind of chuckled and said, Oh, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean by a fax machine? And they didn't think it was very funny. So quickly realized that that wasn't the space I wanted to be in. That technology was really where I wanted to be. I was always that person that sucked up as much tech as I possibly could. It didn't matter what it was. I always wanted to tinker around with it, not saying that it always stuck, but always wanted to see what was out there and and keep using it. So um, found my way into the fintech world and have been growing there ever since. Yeah. So let's just kind of start with, you know, what's been on your mind recently? Like what's a topic idea that, you know, you're super passionate about? Yeah. So for me, I think me being a millennial, we're at this generation where people seem to just kind of overstep us. They don't necessarily think that we are adults at this point. They still look at us as small children, um, but we are one of the larger generations out there. We've got a lot of wealth coming our way, but we also um, are starting to learn where we stand in this world. And we have grown up with technology, right? We, we have seen the, the, the start of the iPod and the iPhone, and that has been growing with us. Uh, and how are we supposed to be authentic to ourselves when we have really grown in the world that the internet and social media really started? I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, Facebook started maybe my senior year in high school. So I was starting to float around into the, the realm of college Um, And you had to have a .edu account to even get on the platform. So like how we've watched it evolve to what it is now and how people relate to them themselves to other people on the internet. So I feel like our, our generation not only has this stigma of, well, you guys really aren't adults, but we are, I mean, I'm in my mid thirties. Right. But you also have to keep up with the Jones on the, on, 
on social media. So how are we, how are we keeping up with this world and how do we be true to ourselves? I think a lot of times we suffer from wanting to be perfect. And I want to rip that bandaid off so badly for everyone. Say you're not, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have the perfect apartment, the perfect dog, perfect everything. Life is really messy. And like, let's just call a spade a spade. We're not all perfect. Yeah. I think it's an interesting thought to go down. I mean, okay. As, as millennials were the generation who thought of at least from above us that we're lazy, that we're entitled, that we want instant gratification. And I think there's like, that might be half of the story if, if you think about it. Right. I mean, we grew right. up with social media. We grew up with, you know, Netflix, you know, we, we can be entertained at every possible second. And I think there's good and bad to that. Right. I think there are parts yeah. where you see a lot of people in their twenties and thirties struggle because they like some of their job, but they don't like some of their job. And the rest of your life, you can kind of pick and choose to only have the things that you like mostly in work. That isn't the case. So I think sometimes that's a hindrance to us of like, Hey, you, you do have to accept that anything worthwhile is going to have some suck in it. And the ones that are going to succeed are the ones that are willing to have both good and bad and endure the bad to have the good. Um, I think that's like one interesting thing to go with, but I also think we might be like one of the most creative generations to exist to this point. I mean, obviously technology has changed things in a way that like, it's never been easier to start a business. Um, it's so easy to be a creator. Like, you know, the word creator is almost even like brand new. We have social media creators. We, you know, you're on videos, you are starting small businesses. Like we're using our skill sets. Like, I don't even know how many stories of people I know that got fired in the last three years that have started a business where they're making like half a million dollars a year already after being fired for the role of the business that they've just created. So I think it's like, you know, if you talk to millennials, there's all the good things. If you talk to the generation above us, there's all the bad things, but really there's like a blend of the two of like, we had like a lot of the things that we went through might make us a little bit lazier. Like, I honestly believe I'm lazy, like in, in not even kidding. Like, I think I'm lazy, but I think I've turned my laziness into being efficient. Like, I don't want to have to work a second longer than I have to, but I'm never not going to get the work done that needs to get done. And so I think you can take some of the good and the bad and use it as strengths. Yeah. And I think I love that you brought that up because I think a lot of people call that laziness, but I'm, I joke and I'm like, I'm just a really good delegator. I know what my strengths are and I know what my weaknesses are. And I'm not afraid to delegate those things that A, I don't really like, or B, I'm really weak at. Right. So it's this like ebb and flow constantly of life where it's like, yes, keep the things that you're really passionate about, but like just delegate the things that you don't. There's going to be someone out there that wants to do it. And I I think like, especially in the work world or just life in general, people are really coming to the realization that there is a person that will do something that you really don't like. And so you can kind of create this ecosystem around you of people that likes different things, but everything works together as a whole. And I really love that. Like um, for us, for example, like, hanging Christmas lights. Cause it's that season terrible. Like it's a fight <laughs> who wants to get on the ladder. Like we Rochambeau in my house on who's climbing up there. And we found someone that is a retired fireman. He loves to climb up on ladders. He doesn't get to do it every day of his life anymore. And he's, it's his job. Like he has created this business. Like you said, all through social media, 
of hanging Christmas lights in our neighborhood. He comes around, he sets a date, he'll even order the lights for you, cut them and put them up for you and then come back and take them all down. And all I have to do is store it. Sign me up. I get the Christmas winter wonderland outside that I want, but I didn't have to go and do it. And I have brought business to a person that built through social media, something that he really loves and enjoys. So I, I love like, I love that our universe is kind of becoming this like delegation of sorts of things that maybe not super great for us, but other people. I think it leads to a happier life too, right? I mean, I think yeah. about my business and could I do every single role inside of my business? Yes, I could be my assistant. I could be the financial planner. I could do all the analysis, the financial plans. I could grow the business. Like I can do all of those things, but what I've realized over the last one to two years are what are the things that are the most fun to me and what are the most energizing? And I've realized that's growing my business. It's marketing. It's spending time with clients. Everything else is something where it's not that I hate it, but it's not that I love it. And there are people who love those roles. So I hired Drew Fights. He is a CFP on our staff. He does all the analysis and gets into the weeds and reads all of the, you know, lines on the estate plans, those things that I don't like hired him to do that. Okay. I hired an assistant last week who started that she's going to do all scheduling. One thing I realized is I'm not going to individually email every single client to make sure every single meeting gets set. Like I, I would rather do a newsletter, but I realized that it'd be better if I had somebody who would want to take over those. So I hired somebody to do it. And every time I hire, it becomes this whole real like realization that I spend more time in the lanes that I'm best at and that I like and less in the things that I don't like and give it to somebody else who's like, I love doing those tasks. I love getting little things like that done. And I definitely think we're moving to a world like that. And it's something I try to teach all the business owners I work with or people like, I mean, whether you're a business owner, you can hire or even at home like you. I mean, if I hate cleaning, like I have some clients who they hate laundry. And so they outsource their laundry or they hate cleaning. So they outsource their cleaning or you outsource your lawn. It's, it's really about like, what are the things you don't mind doing? Do those. What are the things that you hate doing? Outsource them. Yeah. And two, I think, I think once you realize what you're not great at or what you don't love and you start outsourcing those items, you're going to see your business grow, right? Because you're not bogged down by the items that you don't want to do. I think we become our biggest threat in our businesses with things that we don't love to do because we just shove it to the side and we don't do it. And then it piles up and then you're like, oh, oh no, like I've got to get down to this pile of just rubbish that I don't want to deal with anymore. And so what does that do? It's taking you out of your business for maybe a day or two to dig through that pile of stuff that you just don't want to deal with. And now you've lost the whole day. So now if you make your business more efficient by hiring in people to do things that you particularly don't love, then your business is becoming more efficient, right? You're getting those schedules on the books because someone else did it for you. So now you're in front of more clients or you're having those better conversations. Uh, the clients are getting these really great um, PDFs of you know whatever planning you had decided to do for them. It's being delivered to them in a manner that they love. Like I think clients really love getting a deliverable from their advisor, right? But you didn't want to create that. So having someone else create that now, you not only get to have a great conversation with your client, but you're giving them that deliverable that they want. Um, so it's just making your whole ecosystem and your business just run more efficient, efficiently. So therefore your business is going to grow faster. Yeah. And there's definitely a combination between using software and using people. And I think that's like a struggle. A lot of people and advisors have 
I mean, you can apply this anywhere. It's just like, you want to have software, but you don't really want to use human touch, but you want to use software because it's probably cheaper and more efficient. And I think this is like even uh, applicable to like your personal finances. I mean, there is a lot yeah. of tasks in managing your own personal finance that can be automated, whether it's automatically saving, automatically paying off debt, automatically investing. Um, there's just a lot of things that you can really do to free up your time. And I think it's just unwise to not figure out like, how do you, how do you become more efficient in a lot of those areas of your life? Yeah. And I think too, like your tech, I've said this a few times, but like your tech stack is also like an indication of who you are, the brand that you're trying to be. So whatever that may be, like choose your tech stack wisely. Um, and especially even if it's just a personal side of things, you want to make sure that the, the company and the tech that you're using fits your lifestyle and your needs. I don't particularly want to work with like a big bank if that's not the type of personal financing I want, right? Maybe I do want to do something independent, like a SoFi or something to that nature, because that just resonates better with me. So I think your tech stack also has to really resonate with the person that you are just because it's some shiny, bright new object out there might not be the best fit for your brand and your lifestyle. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, another topic I knew that you kind of wanted to talk about is like the idea of, you know, passion, purpose, life, aligning those two things together. And I'm curious your thought, because I feel like there's like in the world, there's completely split ideas about this. You have the some people who are like, you should just turn your whole life into your passion, like the Justin Castelli of the world. Like everything should be passion. Everything you should do should be about your passion. And there's the other people that are like, screw passion. Most of the time, passion ends up becoming nothing. Do what you're really skilled at and then find areas outside of your work life that have your passion. I'm, I'm curious to think like how you think through that. Yeah, I... So I want to be in Camp Justin all the way and like passion be your driving force for everything. But I also really love embracing the suck of things. I think that it's really important for people to work through things that aren't their favorite thing to do uh, and be able to persevere through it. So yes, I feel like passion needs to be the center of things, but I also feel like you can't just ignore like your what you're really great at be just because it's not your passion like you kind of have to work through that suck if you may um if i could say uh just because like that i think that builds character and that helps you drive even farther into like what your passion is so as much as i want to be like full on like passion is everything and just run towards that wall i also think that you've got to work through some of that like suckiness that is just like the real world yeah. And I think like the, the Justins of the world would say that like when you're doing something you're passionate about, it's easier to go through like the sucky parts of it, which is definitely, I think very true. I think I fall, find myself along the lines of, well, one, I agree with you that like, we have to embrace the suck. And I like Zach Hommel is a guy on Twitter. He he's like, he owns a gym, does a bunch of personal training stuff. And he always has this thing, like do hard things and like embrace the suck and everything. Like whether it can be from working out to like any type of exercise, like areas of doing hard things bleeds into other areas of life. And the more hard things you do, the easier it is to go through the other hard things that come in life, which I find very true. But I think one area I think can work is there's all of like the fire people, right? Like the goal is yeah. I'm going to embrace my, like, you know, I hate my life. I kind of hate this work. I'm going to save as much as I can so I can retire as early as I can. But like being able to retire at 40 is really, really, really hard. Like you have to say, 
let's say you're saving at least 50% of your income. You have to have very minimalistic lifestyle now. I really like the idea of like, well, how about we grind and we work in our 20s and our 30s, we build some assets, we grow our net worth, but then at a certain point, we hit this inflection point where what's our passion now? You know, Maybe at 40, the goal isn't to actually retire. The goal is to be able to have enough save that we can move over to what's my passion and can yeah. I do something in my passion that covers my expenses? I don't have to be able to save. I don't have to be able to invest. I don't have to be able to do most of those things because I did like this half fire approach but then I can flip it over and I can do something that I'm really passionate about that might make less money, but I don't go from working all the time to zero. And I also think it's yeah. hard for people that, what are you going to do when you retire at 40 anyways? Like nobody, you know, is even retired. Yeah. And I, so I joke that I want to be part of that fire movement because like, I mean, it's hard, right? It's hard working every day. And like, I love what I do. I love the firm that I'm with, but it's hard. It's hard to get up and grind every day and it's exhausting. And there's seasons where it's really, really busy. And you're just like, I, I, I want to tap out and like, yes, let, let me retire at 40. But then like, I don't know what I would do with my life if I'm at 40. And like, I, my, my parents always joked with me, like when I was young and my parents would read to me, I, my dad would read me. Uh, I distinctly remember my dad reading the little princess to me. Um, and when we get to the end of the book and Cinderella and that sort of thing, the princess never ran off with Prince Charming and got married. My, in my princess stories, the princess went to Princeton and we got our education and then we built our castle with whoever we decided we wanted to be with. Right. So for me, there was never this like, oh, let's just stay home and do things, which again, I've not, no, nothing against it. It's just. I, I don't ever see myself just sitting at home and doing nothing um, or even just being present, right? Like I need to be constantly working on something. I need a, a project. So for this idea of like, yes, I'm going to be retired at 40 and like live life and like show me where the yacht actually pulls up and then I'll hop on. But like the reality is no yacht's going to pull up in my driveway and pick me up tomorrow or when I turn 40. So I think like you said, there's got to be this good balance of, okay, I've hit that inflection point. Now I can kind of do these passion projects that might not bring in as much income, but I've already, I've saved enough to get me to that point that I can now do these projects and not really worry about it. Um, but if the yacht pulls up tomorrow, I'm hopping on for sure. That's so fair. I think also like around this topic, I think a lot of people feel like they are not working in an area they're passionate about because I don't think they find a deeper meaning to what they're doing. Like, I think it's yeah. really easy like to be like, oh, well, I'm not doing what I'm passionate about because I'm not creating music or, or like something like really like high level passion type thing. Like for me, it's like what maybe the most fun thing for me to do would be like something in sports. Like I love basketball. Like Right. But I, I think like, even let's go to your job, right? So there's somebody who could be working at your company. I mean, tax software that could say like, ugh, like I'm, I'm doing a tax software. Like this is just not what I like. Okay. That that's not a very deep meaning, but what about the person at your company? Who's like, we help create this awesome product that allows advisors to help people understand taxes and save more money. So they have the ability to transform their family's life, like truly transform their family's life in a way that their finances are more meaningful, that they bring home more, that they're able to do more and have a better life. Like the person who right. looks at things through that lens is probably going to feel like they're more aligned with 
their passion or a passion that's meaningful than somebody who just stays at the base layer, which doesn't even equate to like, what is the true value this provides? Right. Yeah, no, I agree. I think people just, I feel like a lot of people just get stuck in these boxes and they, they can't look past the four walls that they're in. Um, and especially the generation above us, like they've just been taught, like you go to work every day, you put into your 401k and eventually like you retire and life is great. Where our millennial generation is, we've kind of peeked outside the box. We see that there's a lot of world around us and how do we create something that we love to do and make that our job and make that our passion in life. Um, and I think that's a big shift for the, I, in the, in the employment world in general, right? There's this big shift of, yeah, like we want to work with something that we're passionate about, but we also want to work where we feel like we belong and we want, um, we feel like, you know, we're earning the, the money that we should be earning and that kind of stuff. So it's this weird, like, you've got the generation um, ahead of us, our parents and our grandparents, where it's like, nope, it's it's very black and white. You're you're in this box, you go to work every day and you retire at 62 and a half and everything is all fine and dandy where people like you and I are like, well, I guess that could be okay, but we could also create this world where we have different revenue income streams where we get to a certain point and then yes, we can semi-retire earlier and then start doing those passion projects that we're really yeah. wanting to do. And I think it's really easy to let your passion become not a passion. Like I, I played college yes. basketball. I lost the passion real fast when it turned into a job or like Trey and my yes. co-founder is a great example. Like he doesn't want a big, to grow a big financial planning firm for himself. He doesn't want to have a lot of clients. Like he knows that like he enjoys being really close with 10 to 15 to 20 clients. And he wants to spend half his day doing that. And the other half of his day doing marketing and website design and these things that are, he's also passionate about. And I think we're really like the first generation to ever be able to be like, I can make money in three different areas and I can do that and it'd be really fun. Like I feel like it's always been income maximization and finally we're moving to a world of like life maximization. And there's a lot of ways to do that. And that's something that excites me. Like people always talk to me about like, you know, my future. And I always just say that I'll never box myself as in as a financial planner. Like, will I be a financial planner my whole life? Maybe. Will I maybe not? I don't know. Like, I just don't want to tell myself that I have to be in something because I work with a lot of clients who are doctors, lawyers, et cetera. You are boxed in, right? Like yes. 99% of them will never change to something different because cost of education, because such a specialized skill set. And so they feel lost and stuck, even if they don't like their job. And I feel like that takes away a lot from your life. If you're like, well, I got 30 more years of this. I can't switch to anything else because I could never make close to as much money. But sometimes you have to have the realization that it doesn't always have to be about the money. Well, and status, right? I think that's a huge thing that we haven't even touched on that could probably be a whole nother thing, right? Everyone is so concerned about status. You're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're put up on this pedestal. When you say you're a creator, you're a marketer, you're, you know, whatever millennial Gen Z term you want to use there, they look down at you like, oh, well, that's never going to happen. Well, I mean, look at these YouTube stars, for example. They've they've skyrocketed to the top um, of their high and celebrities. Earners. I mean, and our biggest celebrity celebrities yeah. are TikTokers. At the, I mean, like yeah. Josh Richards. There's all these people that everybody has heard of, and they literally just made videos on TikTok, and they're more famous than 
top actors, professional athletes. Like it, it's crazy. Right. I mean, you can pave your own way in any, in any situation really. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting, right? Cause that whole like dynamic of what society used to deem as like um, the higher, higher tiered celebrity status or um, whatever the elite status may be like, it's really getting flipped upside down using, you know, social platforms like TikTok and um, YouTube. Mm-hmm. Super interesting. Um, you have any closing thoughts? I just want everyone to know, like you get to be your own person like this. No one gets to define who you are except for yourself. And the millennial generation, we kind of paved that path of it's okay to be outside the box. It's okay to label yourself a creator. Uh, and it doesn't matter what kind of creator you are, as long as you feel like you're creating something for yourself, then you're a creator. Um, no one has to understand it unless you want them to, but I want people to know like you, you matter and you don't need everyone else's, um, approval, right? Like we don't need to have this perfect status, um, of life. It can be very, very messy and it's very much approved by yourself and everyone out there. Yeah. I feel like we, we talked about a bunch of random topics, which is super interesting. I feel like, (laughs) I feel like we first, like, it was kind of like embrace the suck and understand that like, even though like you might want to do something you're super passionate about, you like, like there's never going to be a hundred percent good. Another thing we talked about really is like be willing to outsource not only your weaknesses, but the things that are de-energizing and that you really don't like to do. And that I think there really isn't a right answer between passion, purpose, or skill set. Like, I think everybody's different. And I also don't think you have to pick one or the other. I mean, I think there's, you know, at 22, you don't have to only be doing your passion. And at 40, if if you choose to go with what you're the best at and can make you the most money at 40, that doesn't mean you have to still do the same thing. Like, I think don't box yourself into being one thing or putting your whole identity behind any one thing, because your life can change pretty quickly. And I think it's, you know, I think sometimes you have to be wise about following your passions, especially I know people who their passion changes like every three to six months. And so like, you have to balance between like what's wise and what your passion is and, you know, kind of what's the best for your life. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of envy those people sometimes, right? I wish I was that creative um, to have that many ideas floating around in my head, but Also, I think I'd scare myself a little if I had that many ideas up there. Yeah, that's fair. Well, Tori, (laughs) I really appreciate you coming on. This was super different and super interesting. And I hope, you know, the audience walks away and feels a little bit more creative and thinks a little bit more about kind of the next phase and the next step of their life. So thanks for giving us the time and thanks everybody for listening. We will see you back next week. (music) 